Welcome back to The Table, Conversations on Youth Justice. I'm your host, Hussein Hadri. Last month, we talked about the Michigan Child Care Fund. In today's episode, we're going to talk to one of my wonderful colleagues about her work. My name is Jen Peacock. I am the Policy Director at the Michigan Center for Youth Justice. It was great talking to Jen about her professional background, the nature of her work, how she prepares for her work. She took us into the room where the expert testimony happens before the legislature. That's all very interesting. It was especially enlightening for me as I've never been in the room where that kind of testimony happens. So I loved hearing about that. Before we get into that, though, I want to take some time and tell you about what MCYJ has been up to. And as always, feel free to write in if you have any questions or are interested in hearing more about anything I mentioned today. You can also find this information in our newsletter. So if you're not signed up for that, visit our website, miyouthjustice.org, to sign up for the newsletter. Without further ado, enjoy today's show. First up, last month, MCYJ Executive Director Jason Smith joined the League of Women Voters for a community forum regarding the Juvenile Justice Task Force's findings. He co-presented with Kim Thomas, who is a law professor at the University of Michigan, and she's also the co-director of the Juvenile Justice Clinic there. Kim and Jason covered each recommendation of the task force in depth and answered detailed questions afterward. There were also some candid moments in there that might help you get to know them better if you're interested in that. I learned a lot, and if you're interested in hearing more about any of the issues that we've talked about on the show, you should check that out too. I'll link the full video in our show notes. If you have any questions for either Kim or Jason, feel free to send them, and we will try to get those answered for you. I also want to tell you about a documentary film screening that MCYJ is going to be a part of this summer. If you're in Grand Rapids on June 23rd at 6.30 p.m., we will be hosting a film screening of Building Momentum. It's a documentary highlighting a practical and inspiring internship and educational program for justice-involved young people. It was called Cafe Momentum. It was founded in Dallas, Texas, and it's actually now expanding across the country. I'll link the trailer to the documentary in the show notes, and you can learn more about Cafe Momentum and its life-changing youth programming. Our restaurant is entirely staffed by juvenile offenders. We are a 12-month paid post-release internship for young men and young women exiting Dallas County juvenile detention facilities. For a lot of the kids, I don't think that they were committing crimes just to be out committing crimes. They were committing crimes because they felt it was necessary. They were hungry, they needed clothes, their little brother needed medicine. They know how to live and they know how to make it in a world that a lot of people wouldn't have to live in. It's a lot of kids and teenagers out there. Following the film screening, MCYJ's executive director, Jason Smith, will moderate a discussion that'll include Chad Hauser, the founder of Cafe Momentum, and one or more young people who are impacted by the programming at Cafe Momentum. This is a free event. It's supported by the Greater Grand Rapids branch of the NAACP, and it's hosted locally in Grand Rapids. So I'll link all that information in the show notes, and you can check out our social media. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. We look forward to seeing you this summer. And with all that said, I am excited to share this conversation with you with my wonderful colleague, 
Jennifer Peacock, who is the policy director at the Michigan Center for Youth Justice. me about how you ended up at MCYJ. Yeah, I had spent a lot of time doing direct youth kind of organizing, advocacy work, primarily with young young kids 18 and under most of the time, doing work with tribes, tribal nations, and really mobilizing Indigenous youth. Um, and I loved it. But over time, I just felt this kind of calling to one work for my state. I did a lot of national work primarily, so all across the country. Um, And I just, there was something about the idea of actually shifting tangible policies that affect the lives of the kids I cared about that really compelled me to seek opportunities to kind of foster that systemic change. And then I came across MCYJ and just the incredible work and history, you know, their, their advocacy efforts are over 60 years and they had just such a wonderful reputation and respect across the state that I was just thrilled at the opportunity to work with an organization that wanted to collaborate with as many people as possible and that just cares deeply for our children. Now, you've been with MCYJ since the fall, is that correct? Yeah. How has that experience been? I'm sure your perception of the work has changed. It's been challenging, I'm sure. Um, But what surprised you and what's kind of met your expectations? That's a great question. It's gone by really fast. I think the the learning curve on any new role is kind of intimidating. I think as someone who isn't necessarily an expert in policy just yet, right? It's it's new. Um, and that's been a bit of a learning curve for me, but the, the, the dynamic of our juvenile justice system, that decentralized nature was a bit overwhelming at first to figure out, okay, who are the key players? Who are the folks that are in this work? Who's, who's already on the ground leading this work and identifying those piece, pieces has been the biggest kind of adventure of the work. Uh, but MCYJ absolutely exceeded my expectations in the sense of the, the, collaboration focus, right? And this this focus on engaging with folks in a really authentic, genuine way and really putting our young people's best interests first, that absolutely exceeded my expectations and it's been wonderful. So let's get into that a little bit. So we'll get to the legislation aspect of it in a second. Yeah. But aside from that, MCYJ has a number of policy goals and a number of projects. Can you talk about what you do Uh, especially with regard to our partners and how you bring people together, how you uh, talk about our work and our our issues. So when it comes to kind of the collaboration piece, it's very wonderful to see how many people genuinely care authentically about our children. It doesn't necessarily mean everyone we work with is affiliated with the juvenile justice system, but it's folks who have expertise in kind of youth organizing, youth perspectives. And so we're on various coalitions, groups, ranging from kind of focus on students and kind of school advocacy to actually working with a kind of youth and family organizer on the ground with really diverse local organizations who may or may not know young people who have been affected by the justice system, but it's the folks that know, okay, we need to advocate for these policies that come in contact with our young people. So it's kind of diverse and broad in that way. And there's not necessarily, you know, I can run through a full list of folks, but it's everyone ranging in the policy lancing space to those really 
core immediate service providers on the ground that really provide their perspective and feedback on the work and just expertise in general. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It does. Yeah. In last, in our last episode, we talked to Tom Laddig who talked about the, ju- the juvenile justice system at the local level In our future episodes. We'll also be talking to other folks who are, uh, I mean, we talk about the juvenile justice system as a system, as a statewide system, that's part of a nationwide system. Um, but it's really great to hear from someone who is really putting these policies and these policy goals into action and dealing with youth who are struggling. And we'll have some of those stories uh, later on in the season. I want to get into the legislation piece. What work, talk about the process of advocating for certain types of legislative goals. What does that look like from the beginning where you start to formulate these goals? How does that turn into legislation? What does that look like in terms of conversations with legislators? Yeah, we were we were in a unique position in the sense that some of these bills had been introduced last term, right? And so we all know that there was a big shakeup in Lansing. There was a lot of fresh new faces in in Lansing who really care about our communities, community safety, and just the well-being of you know Michiganders in general. And so it really started with building those relationships. I think I'm someone who I always genuinely try to lead with kind of that relational aspect. Like I, I don't want it to ever feel transactional. I want I want to know them and I want them to know me genuinely. And so it was how do we make the rounds? It's scheduling those meetings with legislators, which as a reminder, anyone can do. Like go talk to your representatives. It's just like a general civic plug, but it was going to them, explaining these priorities, giving that deep context because the juvenile justice system is not like the adult system in any way and there is some serious abstracts in paths for our children and so how do we bring light to that in a way that builds bridges right how can I find commonality so it's researching the representative finding what they care about and kind of building these through lines so it's coming prepared you know if I know that a particular rep cares deeply for economic development and I want to talk about juvenile court debt I can really build a bridge on that, right? Like that is a huge, huge, huge economic piece to this work in community. And so it's preparing to kind of share those bills, preface what's coming as they kind of get drafted. And and that whole process is still, I won't lie, so abstract to me. But as those bills get prepared for introduction, it's working with kind of the chairs and leadership of the particular committees that you hope the bills will pass through, right? Because they start there and get reviewed there and then they Hopefully will be voted on and moved to the floor um, on each side, both the House and Senate. And so it's respecting their leadership, asking for feedback. Who should be a great sponsor? Who would you recommend? Who would really champion this work? And then again, meeting with those folks and, and you're continuing to build the relationship, sharing information. Here's an article you might like to their staffer or staffer. Um, there's just those little things that you can do, greeting them when you're in Lansing, being like, hey, how are you been? How was your vacation? Those, those really genuine interactions so that they know I'm in it for the long term with them, right? Like I, I want to help them achieve their goals in building a brighter community for their county. And they want to help the young people that I care about. And so I would say that's kind of the process. It's just building a foundation with leadership in Lansing very early on in the year and making those rounds, but then staying consistent and staying engaged and getting their feedback because they have a lot of expertise and they want to share it with us. And so it's important that we connect with them across the aisle and, and really listen and kind of dive in headfirst together on it. Yeah. So let's get into the uh, the testimony aspect of it. You talked about the relationship building. Part of the legislative process is 
hearing from organizations like ours who spent a significant amount of time preparing data and diving deep into these issues, that means you're going to have to go up to Lansing and talk to legislators, answer questions while you're on a live stream, you're sitting in a big room. You've done that. Let's hear about it. Take us into the room. What's the atmosphere like? How do you prepare for that? Let's hear it. Yeah, no, and I, I want to really humanize this a little bit because I think with advocacy, we kind of can expect folks who are on the front lines of this issue or, or issues or who have been systems impacted across a variety of issues, right? Um, to just kind of run a lancing and testify. And it can be really scary and it can be really intimidating. And all those feelings are very valid because some, like for me, I'm very sensitive to that. I'm very, uh, I get very nervous. I get very anxious. And so for me, I'm, I'm a practicer. So it's, you know, we've testified now on both sides. So we've gone to the House Criminal Justice Committee and we just were at the Senate uh, on the Senate side for the Civil Rights, Judiciary and Public Safety Committee. Right. So before you it's <laughs> such a long name. Um, but in advance of both, I, we drafted kind of language, thought about what we were trying to kind of get across, which both was just kind of the House side was really broad. These are our legislative priorities. This is what we care about. This is what's upcoming. This is MCYJ, what, all of the work we've done, right? Just very intro, get to know us. The Senate side was very focused on the Juvenile Justice Reform Task Force. So a bit of a refresher, and you've covered that in a phenomenal way on this podcast, so I won't get into that too much, but it's shaping the narrative of what you want. And so practicing that, and then on top of that, I'm someone who you, you don't necessarily know what questions they're going to ask you. And, and sometimes they could go totally left field and it's a curveball. So it's preparing, you know, I have an FAQ master doc and it's just a random five or six page document of any random question a representative could answer, ask me so I can do my best to answer. And it's also practicing saying, thank you for that question representative. I will follow up with that answer and knowing it's okay to not know everything. <laughs> Yeah. So, and you bring that document up with you and you have a lot of information up in front of you. Yep, I do. I have it all in front of me because when you, if you want to picture it, you walk in this room, right? And it's typically, they're, they're a little bit higher up than you. There's a, there's wood paneling, if you can picture it for them each to sit at with their nice little nameplate and their, you know, microphones that light up when you need to talk. And that alone can be really nerve wracking because it's like, what if I forget to push the button and they can't hear me? And it's like on Zoom where someone's yelling, oh, you have to unmute yourself. Like it's, it's, you don't want to make that little hiccup, right? And so it's, preparing for that and remembering, okay, turn the microphone on when you speak and those little things of take your time to sit down and pull up your chair because you're also in a, a little booth facing them and your back is to the audience, but you also know you're being streamed. So you have a lot of different eyes on you and I, and I try to really make eye contact with them. I try to kind of really humanize it, smile, um, because I think if I look tense and nervous, they might feel tense and nervous. And so that's kind of the atmosphere is, is you know that they're, you're going to be in front of these really, you know, folks who really are passionate about their focus areas and you're passionate about yours. And so how do we kind of make sure that we're building a connection, even though there's this clear kind of physical power dynamic almost where they're kind of above you and you're kind of sitting there and it, that might not be intentional, but as someone who gets, again, a little nervous, uh, it, it can feel like that. So it's always important to remember that they're people and folks voted them in and because they care. And so that's what I tell myself is these are, these are local community leaders who care deeply and they want to listen to me because I'm bringing something of importance to the table. And Jen, you're doing a great job 
Uh, I want to give uh, you an opportunity to answer this question. We ask this question of every guest on our podcast. Part of the mission of the show is to change the narrative about youth justice. We've talked about that. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If the listeners could walk away from this conversation with one lesson, what would that be? Feel free to respond with a story or fact. Uh, what's something that could really change the way that they see the youth justice system? Something as of late that I've been really passionate about and really trying to bring to the table in these conversations with folks from all across the state, right? Not just representatives. Accountability and punishment are different, right? And our young people are not sentenced to time, like in the adult system necessarily. They are there for rehabilitation. And that has always been the intent is rehabilitation and healing. And I, I see it, I think we all see it all the time that their children these days are just innately bad or, you know, the, the, the very, you know, 90s, 80s super predator narrative still lingers in our society. And I just, I want folks to know that transformational change isn't soft. It isn't, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily about being light or, you know, reform. It's about, we have an opportunity to really support accountability, which allows for, you know, healing for those involved. If there was a particular offense that allows for young people to get individualized services that they need. And, and really we want our kids back in society. We want our kids back in community and we want to invest in them, not just, you know, in the education sense, but we want to invest in them as a whole person Young people are very malleable. Young people are still, you know, developing well into like their early 20s. So to me, I just I really want folks to understand that accountability is key in that rehabilitation piece. We do not have to punish our children and lock them away or, you know, have these really punitive sanctions on them because that's just punishment. That isn't about necessarily that's enforcing a rule. We want our young people to actually learn and process heal and get the support that they need so that they can kind of pivot or they can get the needs that get their needs met to address any underlying route to that behavior. So that would, that's my big thing is I just, I believe in accountability very much for kids. And that's kind of, I think what we're pushing. Jen Peacock is the policy director at the Michigan Center for Youth Justice. Jen, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. Write in if you have questions and check out our show page for more information at miyouthjustice.org forward slash the table. This show is written and produced by me, Hussein Hadri, and is the copyrighted work of the Michigan Center for Youth Justice. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We will talk to you next month.